Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily National Football League podcast on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Brian Peacock here. You can find me at BD Peacock on Twitter, alongside Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. And joining us now, the host of Locked On Raiders, your boy Q. Uh, you know him, you love him. If you don't, you got to tune in to Locked On Raiders. If you're not a Raiders fan, let all your Raiders fan friends know because the Raiders travel. Whether you're in Waco, Texas, or you're in Oakland, or now in Las Vegas, uh, you know there's a lot of Raiders fans out there, right, Q? Absolutely. Raider Nation is worldwide. Love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, the first thing I want to talk about, and, and we'll get into the draft and some of the stuff going on with the 2020 Raiders, but I want to know what the feeling is around the organization. Obviously, moving to Las Vegas and uh, a couple of years ago, having a couple of TV guys in John Gruden and Mike Mayock stepping in and running the show there for the Raiders. And I'm sure there was some skepticism, although, you know, John Gruden, he'd been out of the game for a bit, but he was a Super Bowl head coach. But I'm sure there was some skepticism in bringing in a couple of TV guys to run the show. So what's the overall vibe right now around the Raiders? I think that the vibe is really, really good with the Raiders, you know, and, and I'll tell you, when Mike Mayock was hired, there was a lot of people, including myself, that were very excited about that. And, you know, the funny thing about it is you're right. I mean, these are a couple TV guys, but maybe because everyone was so familiar with Mike Mayock being a t- TV guy and kind of believed everything that he said during his, uh, you know, his mock drafts on NFL Network and at the Combine and just because he sounded the part. I kind of felt like, well, this dude, I mean, who, who's going to know these players coming out of college better than a guy that's been studying them for so long <laughs> in Mike Mayock? And so I actually had a pretty good sense of I think this is going to work out really well because I will say as much as I like John Gruden as a head coach, him as a talent evaluator is not that great. You know, I mean, it's just it really isn't. It's one of those things that if you go back in the history of John Gruden drafts and even if you go back to 2018 and what he did, you just kind of look at it like, yeah you probably need somebody to be the checks and balances as far as, uh, you know, what you're, who you're drafting, what you're looking at, how you really are going to build this team. And I think Mike Mayock, I think they balance each other out really well. So this is a good, a good thing moving forward for the Raiders organization. Q, great to talk to you again, as always. And we've had some great discussions on here. And I want to go back and forth for a couple of minutes here about this Raiders passing game. Here's a bold statement from me. I think Brian Edwards is going to be the Raiders' leading receiver in 2021. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I think that he could be the leading touchdown receiver. You know what I mean? I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be used in a major way in the red zone. I just Mm -hmm. don't know if he's going to be the number one target or get that many targets just because uh, 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 against other years, they've actually had – they have so much talent now. I mean, there's really a lot of – I'll say 2021. Give him a year. That's okay. I'm still going to say right. I still think that he could be a guy that's the, the red zone target, the main dude. But, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at Darren Waller. He's going to be there for a while. Tyrell Williams, I can see him being gone and Brian Edwards taking that spot. But I think Henry Ruggs is going to be used in a, a, a lot. I, thought, I think Lynn Bowden Jr. is going to be used in a lot of capacity from the backfield or uh, catching the ball. Hunter Renfro is still going to be there. I, I mean, there's going to be so many, so many opportunities for, for uh, you know, production. I think that, you know, you could say that he'll be the biggest guy or the best receiver as far as catching touchdowns, which is great. That's what you want. You want touchdowns anyway. He'll be that red zone target before anyone else probably. But I, I don't know if he'll be the number one wide receiver. But uh, that's, that's a very positive statement. I'm not mad at it. 
<laughs> I am encouraged with this passing game for as soon as this year. I'm not, I'm not even talking about 2021. And I'm glad you brought up Lynn Bowden Jr. Because this isn't a concern of mine, but I'm trying to read between the lines about Josh Jacobs and see if you agree with this take. I mean, he is a excellent talent. I think he's worth a first-round pick. But he was never a full-time player at Bama. And I wonder if they're going to take – they didn't throw the ball a lot as a rookie. And I think that teams tell you sometimes what they think of their players and their backs. They always do, really. And you go draft a receiving back like Bowden. I wonder if they worry a little about Jacob's overall workload. And if they're going to cut corners with his touches, I think it could be in passing situations. I, I can agree with that 100%. You know, I mean, really, he only played in 13 games in uh, in his rookie year in 2019. And so uh, every every point you brought up is very valid. He wasn't a, a full-time starter at Bama. And so he was out to prove that he could be that guy. He got banged up early in the season, and he kept trucking along and kept playing, which you got to give him a lot of credit for that. But oh, yeah. When push came to shove at the end of the season, he, you know, he just he wasn't in the game because he was just too banged up. So, I mean, he still has to prove that he could be an every game guy and be there, you know, from start to finish. And so I think that that's why uh, you bring on Lynn Bowden Jr., a guy that can catch the ball in the backfield. You still have Jalen Richard, a guy who can catch the ball in the backfield. I mean, you're kind of saying, look, this is what we're going to do with you. And I know that you do this really well. And I know you can catch the ball and still make plays, but. Like you said, I think they are going to try to limit his touches. And really, I don't think it's a bad idea based off how many touches he had in 2019. Yeah, and I think people misconstrue the way I phrase that, too. Like, by no means am I questioning Jacob's toughness. I think he's <laughs> tough as nails. I mean, I think that's one of his great strengths. I think sometimes coaches just look at backs and say, we think he'll be better and the team will be better with a little bit less. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, right. I mean, this guy had 262 touches in 13 games. I mean, think about that. That's a, that's right. a lot of touches, and he missed three games. I mean, he could have well gone well over 300 touches for the season. So, uh, yeah, I can absolutely see them limiting him. I do think that he is a force to be reckoned with if he catches the ball in the backfield. But, again, you're putting that much extra on his plate. And then on top of that, you got to have him in there as a blocking back where Jalen Richard right now is the better blocking back. I just think that the more is better. You know what I mean? The more is better. And what I mean by that is the more talent, the more guys around him so it's not predictable – well, it's got to be Josh Jacobs. If he's not there, if he's not in the game, their offense is going to struggle. When he goes out on the sideline and takes a breather, it's got to stay on that same level. And I think with the the players that they've been able to bring in, particularly Lynn Bowden Jr., I think it's going to stay at that same level. Matt, for a second, I thought you were going to say Lynn Bowden Jr., leading rusher for the Raiders in 2020 when you started. <laughs> but it is interesting. I'm looking at the roster right now. Lynn Bowden, they gave him number 33. And so there was some talk. Is he wide receiver, kick returner, uh, gadget guy? Uh, he looks like he's going to be a running back, which is interesting there. So not three wide receivers in the draft. It was two wide receivers. We talked about Brian Edwards a little bit. I got to go to the first round, though. Were you surprised at all that Ruggs was the first receiver selected by the Raiders? And how does he fit in? Because it looks like they got two downfield speed guys on the outside now with Tyrell Williams and Henry Ruggs. I thought maybe that, uh, and knowing Mayock from his TV days that you mentioned, and knowing the type of players that Mayock likes, by the way, a cornerback by the name of Robinson that they drafted a little bit later, uh, Robertson, excuse me, uh, is was definitely a Mayock guy, but I thought maybe Jerry Judy, maybe CeeDee Lamb was going to be the Mayock guy in round one and would have been a better fit opposite Tyre Tyrell Williams in that wide receiver group. Uh, what do you think about 
the pick of Henry Ruggs for the Raiders? I was very surprised. I was very, very shocked going into the draft. Uh, I figured that CeeDee Lamb was going to be wide receiver number one for them. And then I didn't believe that they would all three be there available at number 12 when the Raiders picked. I couldn't believe that they had the pick of the litter. Like they had the option of picking any one of those guys. I thought they were going to get stuck with just whoever was left. But instead, they have an option at all three. And when they went with Henry Ruggs, it made me open my eyes. And it wasn't to a, uh, it wasn't like I was upset. I just was didn't think that he was a guy that was going to go and fit in Gruden's offense from what we've seen over the past two seasons. You know, what we've seen as fans, as we've seen, you know, the slow, methodical, get the ball, you know, hold on to the ball, uh, keep the drive alive, you know, catch the short pass and and uh, get the yards after the catch. You didn't see a lot of, you know, extending, extending the ball down the field, you know, getting getting Derek Carr, throwing the ball deep and, and, and stuff like that. You just didn't see it. So I was surprised that they went with Henry Ruggs. But at the same time, when I saw that, I got excited because I realized, like, you don't just go buy a Ferrari and and don't use it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't go <laughs> buy a Ferrari and take kids to the school in, in it. You know what I mean? You don't, drop groceries. Them you don't do that. You, you get it out on the highway and you let that thing rip. I mean, if you're going to buy it, show it off, right? So I'm assuming that if they made that pick, having all three of those guys on the board, that John Gruden has plans for Ruggs. Like, he's going to use him similar to what he thought he was going to use Antonio Brown in 2019, and we all know how that blew up in his face, and so that didn't happen. I'm assuming that that's the role that he's going to play, and that excites me because, well, the offense needs to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions. They've had a stranglehold on the AFC West for quite a while now. Uh, you, you know all the weapons that are coming back. You know the trigger man. You know Patrick Mahomes, the head coach, and Andy Reid. I mean, they have a lot to work with, and they have a lot that you have to figure out how you're going to defeat. Well, one way to defeat them is kind of beat them with their own medicine, you know? So I'm kind of excited about the potential of this offense. Now, it's potential. They got to go out there and do it. More with Q coming up. Uh, some more about this Raiders offense, which is fascinating to me, how they're going to fit these pieces together, how they're going to utilize Carr's strengths as a passer with some of the new weapons on that side of the ball and, of course, the defense and how this Las Vegas Raiders team fits into the AFC West picture. Folks, we've told you a lot about Built Bars, and Built Bars sent me a free box, and that lasted about five minutes in my house. Since then, I've re-upped. I am a fan. My family is a fan. It's a protein bar that really tastes like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight of them are chocolate and nut flavors, and eight of them are chocolate and nut-free flavors. So they're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are super healthy as well. They're great for the health-conscious guy or lady or whomever. Uh, lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. So um, go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. You'll be happy about it. See, the rugs pick leads me to a lot of layers in that I think you can look at on the surface, which you went deeper than that, and say, this guy's a deep threat, but Derek Carr doesn't pull the trigger. He's on an aggressive downfield thrower. Well, they bring in Marcus Mariota. Well, he really isn't either. You know, no. both these guys are kind of paint-by-numbers quarterbacks, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just what they are. So you throw out the A-B comparison, and – I believe rugs can run out routes and certainly slants and quick hitters and be a higher volume guy than a Ted Ginn, Deshaun Jackson, deep threat only guy. But I'm also curious, you know, 
is the quarterback rugs marriage a good one? I mean, to me, Carr's coming off a very good year, but he is who he is. He's a paint-by-numbers pocket quarterback that prefers to check it down. I can't quit Mariota. I mean, I still like this guy. I wish I was his defending attorney that could make a, a long case for all the all the reasons things have gone wrong for him. And I feel like Mayock agrees with me because he loved them coming out of school. How do you see that all working out? They're trying to tell us something. I'm just not exactly sure what yet. Nathan well, Peterman think, will let it fly. Maybe that's the plan. I think for 2020, I think there's no doubt about it that this is Derek Carr's team. I mean, I, I really mm-hmm. have no doubt about it that he's the guy. He's the guy with the, that has the familiarity with the offense. He knows what John Gruden wants. And I think that some of what we've seen the past few seasons of Derek Carr and him just checking the ball down or taking what the defense gives him, get the ball out of his hand quickly, that a lot of has to do with what John Gruden is telling him to do. You know, a lot of it is right. not just – Derek Carr making that decision because if you go back to 2016 which is what every Raider fan will tell you as far as Derek Carr is the man and shows that he's the man he was the guy in 2016 and he got the ball down the field I mean he was able to do that but he, he hasn't done that since he broke his uh his ankle in that December 24th that Christmas Eve game against the Colts and things have never been the same now I don't know if that has more to do with Carr John Gruden or a combination of both I, I tend to think it's a combination of both but Again, if you have these weapons, you have to make an effort to use them or else they're just they're just out there. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no sure. reason to use to get these guys if you're not going to take advantage of what they do really well. Now, I think with rug speed, I think he could do a lot more than just, you know, a slant, a, a crossing pattern. I know those are he did those really well at Alabama where he basically crossed the whole whole length of the field and catch the ball and go. And with his speed, he's going to run away from you. So I know you'll probably see a lot of crossing patterns from him. You'll probably see the slant and goes. You'll probably see, uh, you know, him stretch the field as well. But I also think end arounds, I think, you know, double reverses. I think any way to get the ball in his hand and use what he does best, which is run and make plays, I think that's what you're going to see. And I really think that's what you're going to see from a guy like Lynn Bowden Jr. as well. So that's that's what makes me excited about this offense is I feel like it, it just – it just advanced. You know what I mean? It went from being just a flat screen TV to a flat screen TV in HD. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> yeah, like right, right. Wait, now, now we're cooking with grease. And so I think that that's what they are believing that they have with the guys they were able to bring in. You know, Matt was talking about Brian Edwards leading the team in receptions. What about Hunter Renfro? Because you've got these outside guys that, that can be big play, but but and maybe some efficiency there with what they're able to do per catch. Yardage wise, but Hunter Renfro is the opposite. Are they going to go three wide? Are we going to see more of that? And maybe Hunter Renfro being the guy who's the target hog in the offense, even if he's not catching many balls, if any, beyond 10 yards down the field. You know, that's that's a good question. When the Raiders drafted Hunter Renfro, I was very excited about that pick just because I knew what he was able to do at Clemson and I knew how reliable he was. And he's a guy that can come out the slot and just kind of sit down. He just is comfortable and sitting down in that open zone and being available and making himself comfortable so the quarterback could get him the rock. And you saw towards the end of the season how much Derek Carr went to him. And, and he did start looking like, wow, this could be a real like real number two type wide receiver now. Again, he's not the most, you know, fleet of foot. He's not the guy that's just going to, you know, burn you off the line of scrimmage, but he's a football player. He's a technician. He knows what he's doing. So I don't think that he's going to be in in the, you know, conversation as far as leading the team in, in catches. I used to say about him, it was always about the, the quality of the catch over the quantity of the catches. But towards the end of the season, he showed that he could also 
catch a lot of balls as well. So, I mean, it's just kind of like you're going to pick your poison. And if you're all over Ruggs, you're all over Bowden, you're all over Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller. Oh, boom, here comes a slot guy right here in the middle of the field sitting down waiting for Carr to hit on the ball. So I think he's going to be a security blanket in a major way. Q, the last offensive thing I wanted to talk about to line and I really like picking up John Simpson in the fourth round because he fits the mold of a nasty guard, you know, the Gabe Jackson incognito pound your face type Raiders guard. But overall, I don't love the depth of this group, but I think the front five with Colton Miller as kind of an ascending player could be about as good as theirs in the league. It could be. It, it really yeah. could be. And I'm glad you brought up Simpson. I like him a lot. I really, really do. He's another Clemson guy. Raiders clearly love their Clemson guys. I mean, you talked about Mike Mayock and his draft and all that. Yeah, uh, Clemson guys are, are top of the list. If you're from Clemson, you're on Mayock's radar. And that's okay. You know, that's great to get him in the fourth round when they did. I think that that kind of went to the depth that you were talking about because Gabe Jackson, he was a guy that was put on the on the trade blocks you know his name was floated out there as far as uh you know it's being trade eligible and they didn't end up pulling the trigger on him so I don't know if he's going to be there when the season starts or if or Simpson's going to end up taking that role I, I don't know but the the depth is is okay it's it's decent but you got it man that, that front five is good Rodney Hudson yeah. you, you already know he's all world incognito brings the nasty and he was a very good surprise for the Raiders in 2019. I think everyone, including myself, was very skeptical about him when he signed with the Raiders, but he cho- chose to be or uh, proved to be a uh, like a, a choir of a mouse. You know what I mean? Like he he didn't get in any kind of trouble. He didn't really stir nothing up, but he just he was the nasty on the offensive line. I think he made Colton Miller a lot better. And then Trent Brown is just a big dude. You know what I mean? He's just he's just a big old dude. Like, I don't I don't even know how you make him that big. You know what I mean? He's just a big old dude. And so, uh, yeah, I, I like what they're bringing to the table. I do think that they need to continue to look for a, a right tackle because uh, Trent Brown didn't play every game last year, and the depth behind the the right tackle position is very very sketchy. So that's the that's the one part of the offensive line depth that I would be concerned about. But the rest of them, I feel comfortable. It's that right tackle spot behind Trent Brown is. is that's that's nervous. That's nerve wracking right there. Yeah, with Trent Brown, with you know, he's six eight, three fifty, and thirty six inch arms. It just takes a long time to run around him, even if he's not really doing anything. Uh, that's a, he's a very interesting player in the NFL and uh, unique in that regard. Hey, real quick, Q, one more question. I got to ask you about the wide receiver group. Does my guy Keelan Doss? I'm sitting here in Davis, California, right now. Uh, the rookie last year out of UC Davis, Keelan Doss. He was on the practice squad, jumped to the Jaguars, back to the Raiders. Does he have a chance to make the roster this year? I think he has a chance to make the roster, but he's still got a lot to learn. He he really does. He was a, a favorite of many fans because, well, he's a hometown kid. You know, the story was great on Hard Knocks, but he just he had a lot to to learn. And I think he's going to have a, a chance in training camp to to carve out a niche and prove himself. But there'll be a battle between him, Zay Jones, uh, one of the lesser known, you know, wide receivers. There'll be some battles between them for maybe that final spot. He might have to earn it on special teams as well. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, shall we? A big year for second-year guys, Cleland Farrell and Jonathan Abram. Obviously, Abram had the injury after a promising uh, start in camp, and I was really excited to see him more of a thumper there. And then you add a couple of rookies to that secondary, Damon Arnett, Amik Robertson, who I mentioned earlier, who is is a total Mayotte guy when I saw him play because he loves those short, the dudes that just get after it right and uh, so I love that pick for the Raiders and it sounds like they're not trying to match the Chiefs with speed on defense they're maybe going to try to beat them up a little bit 
it does look like they're trying to beat him up and, and they're trying to go back to that old school Raiders Al Davis type mode where, you know, they beat you up on the line of scrimmage and and they're going to just take take what they want to take from you. You know, it's going to and not necessarily fighting you and, and hurting you, but at the same time, uh, a little bit of intimidation factor. Like, you know, they're not just going to be the weakest link when they walk out onto the field. They can't, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to look at Kansas City and think that, oh, the Chiefs are going to run up and down the field. They're going to have to earn it. Or at least that's what the, the, the mold that they're trying to make right now. Jonathan Abram, I, I'm excited about him, but at the same time, kind of nervous because he only played in one game. I mean, you just don't know. Every Raider fan is fired up thinking he's going to be the next end-all, be-all because he's wearing the number 24 and, he you know, he talks a good game, but you got to do it on the field. And he only played in one game, and that's not getting it done. Uh, Arnett was a surprise pick. At number 19 overall in the first round. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming either, but doesn't mean it wasn't a good pick just because he wasn't on my radar. I just didn't think that he, he was the guy that they were going to pick there. And so they did. And it was for that exact same reason. John Gruden said, this guy is the, the definition of an old school Raider beat you up defensive back, just beat you up on the line of scrimmage, make you earn everything. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what he could bring to the table, combine him with Trayvon Mullen, who's a second year guy now. And, and I, I think the defense is much improved. Now they got to go gel. And I hate that the, this year is the kind of year that you just don't know what's, what to expect. You don't know what training camp's going to look like, how much work they're going to get on the grass, but uh, they have an opportunity, man. They, they really have an opportunity their first year in Vegas to at least make a mark, you know, show that this team is for real and not a laughingstock like they had been the past few years. Will the Raiders be a playoff team in their first year in Las Vegas? We'll get to the bottom of that question next. I really want to talk about the secondary, but it's funny when you mentioned Arnett as a surprise first round pick and he beats people up at the line of scrimmage, press man, guy with size, physicality. I immediately thought, boy, Al Davis would have liked this first round with <laughs> Lester Hayes and Clifford Branch as yep. the two, you know, the speedster and the, the the pound your face corner. And that brings me to the secondary that sometimes I don't quite realize it until I go to ourlads.com and pull up the depth chart when one of you guys joins us from the network. But I didn't realize how deep the secondary is. There's like nine names and, and overall it's unproven. But there's a lot of pedigree here. I mean, joiners, your slot behind with Robertson behind him, who I really like. I mean, he's just small. You yeah. know, Ab- Abrams a first with Randall, who's a former first, with Jeff Heath behind him, who's played a lot of football. Trayvon Mullen in his second year with Arnett. And then you throw Prince of Mukamara, another former first in there, who's a good player. I mean, no one gives Prince of Mukamara any credit. He's a good, solid starter. But that's like nine names I just mentioned in the secondary, unproven, but pedigree. It is. And the thing about it with Prince, I like him because he knows what he's doing. He's a veteran. He's a good player. He's not a great player. He's a good player. No, right. But he allows Arnett to have the time to learn the role. You know what I mean? You don't have to push him right into the starting lineup and say, okay, sink or swim, rookie. You give him an opportunity to kind of learn the game, similar to what Trayvon Mullen did last year. I mean, he was sitting behind Gary on Conley, and then finally when it was his time to, to shine and take over, they traded Conley the week before they played the Texans, and they traded him to the Texans. So, I mean, you know, they were just like, hey, we don't need you anymore. It's cool. We're going to go ahead and uh, put this rookie in here and go ahead and play you next week. That's all good. And so I feel like that that's what Prince will do. He'll be that place setter and placeholder for Arnett until Arnett's comfortable. And similar with LaMarcus Joyner, I think he'll be the guy in the slot until he's not, until Robertson is ready to come and take over that spot because Joyner has really been a disappointment in the slot. I think he's better at the safety position. The Raiders are hell-bent on putting him in the slot. 
He's okay. But I think that Amik Robertson will be a lot better in the slot than Joyner, but he's not going to do it right away. He's going to have to learn, similar to Arnett, the NFL game. I mean, and it's just it's just as simple as that. So I feel like they're putting the, the, the pieces in place, and it's just up to these rookies to get up to speed as quickly as possible and feel like they could take that role. But at the same time, you're not forcing them into the deep end because you do have proven veterans that can hold it down in the meantime. And so many draft picks the last couple of years, too, and those second-year guys. And they had a nice find in the fourth round in 2019 with Max Crosby, and you know he's teaming up with uh, the fellow second-year guy in Cleveland Farrell. And and while Farrell maybe in the pass rush department, production-wise, maybe doesn't wow you, uh, but I think culture-wise was why they made that selection so early in the first round. And I like Maurice Hurst. On the inside, and then they added some athleticism at linebacker, which I think was key, and Corey Littleton, who can cover and uh, can help cover guys like um, Noah Fant and obviously Travis Kelsey. So I love that addition to the linebacking core there in the front seven. How do you think this front seven looks uh, going into 2020 for the Raiders? I think it looks a lot better, and you hit it on the head when it comes to Farrell, man. He was a guy that was just a leader, and he was a culture changer, and the Raiders didn't have a good culture. They just didn't. And so uh, when Mike Mayock went to Clemson and said, hey, who's the leader of your defense? And everybody pointed at Clee. He said, "Okay, that's my guy. I'm comfortable with him. I don't care if I take him at four or take him at 14. I'm going to go get that guy. And so he did. And a lot of Raider fans got upset because they all expected, you know, them to go out and try to replace Khalil Mack. And so he's not Khalil Mack. He's not going to be Khalil Mack. But I will say he had four and a half sacks his rookie year. Khalil Mack had four. So, I mean, Hmm. just saying. Just going ahead and if we're just keeping score. Just, <laughs> he's winning right now. I'm just saying that. I'm not saying he's Khalil, but at the same time, you know, he did have a half sack more than, than Mac did his rookie year. But uh, with the rest of the guys, man, you hit it. You know, Littleton, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, he's going to be the guy who's going to be, uh, he's going to have the green dot in the back of his, his helmet. He's going to be calling the shots. You know, those are major upgrades at the linebacking position because that linebacking core was terrible. I mean, really, the Raiders depended on Vontez Burfitt to hold it down in 2019. And, well, we all know how that goes. I mean, you can't rely on a guy who is just not always there. He's just not available. I, I, I said that that was my biggest knock on him when the Raiders signed him. I said, well, he's not available. He doesn't play a full 16 game season. And he was done after four. He was suspended. Whether we all agree with the suspension or not, he was suspended for 12 games. And it is what it is. It's a lifetime achievement award. So they go and get <laughs> some guys, some young studs that are ready to play the game, improve that linebacking core, help out, obviously, the, the front the front four. And I'm excited about this is a guy that you didn't mention, but Malik Collins comes over from the Cowboys. He's only on a one-year deal, but I like him in the middle of that defense. I really, really do. P.J. Hall. He's a second or not second year guy, but he was a second round pick out of Sam Houston State. He's kind of been inconsistent. Mo Hurst, you mentioned him. He's been he's been pretty good. But I think both of those guys need to be a little bit better. And I think Malik Collins is going to help them just push them to be better because he's really, really good dude. And he's on a one year deal. So he's obviously in a contract year. And then the biggest addition, in my opinion, is bringing over Rod Marinelli. I think Rod Marinelli being the defensive line coach now taking over for Brenton Buckner, who was a fan favorite as well. Uh, which is weird because, you know, a fan favorite of a defensive line coach, but whatever, that's another story. Uh, you know, Mar- Marinelli is a guy that just gets it done. He's an old school kick, 
kick you in your backside and get you going, you know, and that's what he's going to do. And I, I'm excited about that addition and what he can do with that defensive line, with Crosby, with Clee, with, uh, you know, with, with Mo Hurst, with Jonathan Hankins, with Malik Collins. I mean, they brought in Carl Nassib. I mean, there's, there's so much depth right now on the defensive side of the ball, on the side of a ball that was been terrible for years. So I'm just excited to see this defense look a lot better than it has in, in previous years. Yeah, it's well said. And I want to take it one step further because the Raiders defense coordinator, obviously Adam Marinelli is great, but the, the defense coordinator is Paul Gunther and he's a Mike Zimmer disciple, you know, type guy. Yep. And think of Zimmer's linebackers, you know, Barr and Kendricks. Like he wants two prominent guys to play every snap. And that's one of the, my favorite, that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm one of my favorite moves in all of free agency across the league was adding Kiewikowski and, and especially Littleton. Like, I think that's going to pay off a ton. Yeah, no, it will. Again, uh, man, because you have to have guys that are sideline to sideline. You have to have guys that can find a way to drop in coverage and cover those tight ends. You mentioned them, Kelsey, Hunter Henry, Noah Fant. I mean, God, the list goes on and on of the guys that they have to try to cover out of the, out of the uh, you know, out of the uh, – off the line of scrimmage, whatever. I mean, it's just it, Edward Tillaire, Eckler. <laughs> right. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, it, it gets me sick just thinking about it. But I mean, it's just so much talent. So, yeah, I mean, these guys are going to have to, you know, be dynamic. And I, I just I'm excited about the the possibilities of what they can do. And, you know, the funny thing is I heard from a lot of Bears fans after the Raiders signed Kwiatkowski and they said, we are happy that he went to the Raiders because we all thought he was going to Green Bay. And he was going to haunt the Bears for years because he just wasn't a guy that they could afford to keep because of everything else that they had financially doled out. But a guy that they knew was on the cusp of being really, really good and just needed his opportunity. So now he's getting his opportunity. Littleton has proved himself as an undrafted free agent to all of a sudden he was the number one linebacker in free agency this past season. Uh, so I'm, I'm just I'm excited about the potential. And like I said, that linebacker room was so bad. It was so right. bad. That's a key. Um, it's, it's a lot better now, so I think that they have an opportunity to compete now. Q, really appreciate the time here. We have one more second, and I want to ask you this question. You can make it short. You can go long if you want to, but just a positive and a negative for the Raiders. And obviously, it's not just the Kansas City Chiefs. This is going to be a competitive division. Matt and I had talked about this division, the AFC yeah. West being one that uh, could surprise some people, and any of these teams could, could make a playoff run here. Um, if this season goes well and we do see the Las Vegas Raiders in the playoffs, I want you to name one thing that went right that made that happen for them, and then one thing that you are worried about that might prevent the Raiders from making the playoffs. If you see the Raiders in the playoffs in 2020, which I predicted that you will, I, I just go ahead and put that out there. I think their record okay. is going to be anywhere from nine and seven to 11 and five. That's, that's my window right there. Uh, but nine wins aren't going to get you in the playoffs. But if they're in the playoffs in 2020, I believe that they beat Kansas City once and I believe they beat them on the road. I'm picking week five right before their, their bye week. I believe that they are on the road in uh, Arrowhead and they find a way. Derek Carr finds a way to win on the road in Kansas City. I think that that would be a huge, a huge win, a huge confidence builder. That would be something that they just need. They need to find a way to get that and get over that hump. So that would be the one positive. If things go awry and, and just it just isn't working and they're not they're not even thinking about the playoffs and they just have a bad maybe a seven and nine season again I feel like the the young guys the rookies haven't developed as quickly as they thought they were going to develop you know I think that this offseason uh as weird as it is and who knows exactly how it shakes out uh, I think that the offseason really catches up to them and they just don't you know they just don't gel as quickly as the team was hoping that that would be my biggest my biggest concern for the team moving forward 
Your boy Q, you can hear him on ESPN Radio in Central Texas, and of course, the host of Locked On Raiders right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Tell a friend that their team is covered right here daily. Q, appreciate the time, man, and uh, great information. Let's do it again, maybe before the season starts or at some point after week five when the Raiders make that statement game in Arrowhead. There you go. That sound it sounds good. Did you use the alpha beta reference right there when you said tell a friend? That's an old school alpha, alpha beta move, ain't it? Uh, the, uh, the alpha beta uh, grocery store. Yeah, didn't they? <laughs> didn't they used to say tell a friend? I don't know, man, but I like it. <laughs> I think so. Look it up. I think they did. <laughs> alpha beta. That is a deep callback. I haven't heard that in a long that time. That is. That's showing my age. <laughs> I have no idea what you two are talking about. <laughs> we used to go to alpha beta and then Gemco. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. remember Jimco? That was my old Bay Area uh, grocery store back in the day, and then I think it turned into like Albertsons or I don't know. Something yeah, like I think maybe Bay Alpha Beta yeah, became Al- Albertsons. Yeah, that, yeah. That that this is some California stuff we're talking about. I don't know if anybody else hey, it's cool. knows what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Q, that was yeah, awesome. beautiful. Thanks, Q. All right, man. You guys be good. I appreciate you. Alpha Beta, the Tell a friend. <laughs> 